Um, so yeah, so we are lucky to have yes. a real sleep researcher Yay. joining us today. No, but uh, super super cool that you were able to join in, Gandhi. Pleasure. You yeah. were gonna, you were gonna make this episode really happen. Oh, anything I can do to to pay you back. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, when I was writing my last grant, I was totally at a loss because my program officer told me not to even bother resubmitting because NIH doesn't fund that kind of research. And in desperation and destitution, I called up Joe. It was the first time I talked to him since my defense. And he... You have to be desperate to call me. (laughs) Well, you don't have to, but uh, uh, usually I like to maintain contact with someone before I ask them for favors. Uh, But Joe didn't care. He very generously spent some time on the phone with me. He gave me a lot of really great advice that was extremely helpful. And more than anything else, he got me really fired up to to write my resubmission. And it really helped. It made a big difference. So did you get the grant? Uh, No, I got one bad reviewer (laughs) and two near-perfect scores. Okay. That's the worst. I'll be submitting my grant again for the April 8th deadline. I'm happy to give you a, a welcome distraction. I'm happy for both. <laughs> We're going to go with distraction. Yes, yeah, yeah. You might you might need it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but yeah, we are here talking about sleep. We're having some wine. Um, so before we kind of get into the actual topic of sleep, um, would you tell us a little bit about how you sort of fell upon the topic of sleep and what it is that you do? Let's let's get the, the big picture on Gandhi. Yeah. The, the whole the whole enchilada, as it were. That's oh, tasty. I'm I didn't put mm-hmm. my mic on, guys. I'm sorry. So um, I don't know how you guys have heard me this whole time. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Early in my graduate student, uh, a second year. I was trying to come up with a summer project, and I asked my advisor, uh, Hilly Kaplan, for some advice on how to pick one, and he gave me the very succinct, narrow, focused advice on how to choose a summer project by saying, think about the kind of career you want to have, what you want your lifetime contribution to science to be. And so I had a midlife. A, you're talking so, so the the easy questions. No, yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. heavy hitters. It, it made the summer project seem much easier mm-hmm. in comparison. But I actually did try to think about <laughs> his advice, and I thought about direction of research I wanted to go in. I really like studying behavior. But I also think biology is really cool, and I think that the way that biology can affect changes in behavior, and vice versa, is extremely you tend to think behavior is something you consciously decide to do rather than being the product of biological uh, reactions happening within your body. And so I told all this to Hilly. I think at the time, uh, someone we knew was interviewing for a job at Emory or something. He was talking to someone there who studies sleep. It was on his mind. I had never thought about it before. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized how little we know about it. It started to seem kind of cool. Just to be clear, Sagani, you were doing a, you were getting your PhD in anthropology. Yep. Right. Of evolutionary anthropology. Yes. Yes. Right. We were in the same co. Hey, I know an evolutionary anthropologist. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah, so it makes sense that all humans kind of need to sleep. So it seems like a perfectly anthropological thing to study. It's true. I think. For See, I wouldn't have said that. No. No, because 
All everything needs to sleep. I mean, does bees every, sleep. Does, does everything need to sleep? There are some animals. Not that quite everything. We're going to have to get into this. We were, right, we will. But yeah. the point is, whatever sharks, it is, it like, far predates off. humanity. They turn off like half their brain and still wake. Uh, dolphins, dolphins, dolphins and birds. Yeah, maybe it's dolphins. Uh, do unihemisphere. I was going to ask. Okay. I, this is, maybe maybe you should finish. Tell us about, about your uh, your background. Sure. Um, so I just started thinking about it. What's the right amount to sleep? Is the question everyone wants to know. I'm wondering maybe if this is another area that might at some point get lumped under personalized medicine, that maybe it's not seven hours for everyone, but maybe somebody needs only five and they do just fine, and then other people need more or whatever, and that becomes part of your conversation with your doctor. Well, it's certainly depending on how old you are. If you're, sure. an, in oh, if you're yeah. an infant and you go to your doctor or a neonate and you say, Doc, how much did I sleep? Yeah, the doc yeah. is going to give that infant some very different advice than sure. if, if you were 20 years old or if you were you know, 40 or right. 60 or 70. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we do know that the sleep patterns change throughout age. You know, for Joe, like eight hours at my age, 15 minutes a night, something like that. Yeah. This, is, this is why coffee gets so much work done. <laughs> hey, I mean, some of the... Like, I know some of the, like, big Silicon Valley people sleep for, like, four hours. They claim to. They claim to. And don't you think they're lying? I, you know, I don't know because I, I do know that Ariana Huffington is, is really big on sleep. And she's right. like, you got to get your X hours. No, um, undoubtedly there are but, some people that claim they can get by on a little sleep. And there is, Gandhi, there is variation in, in this sure, trait. Sure, yeah, yeah. Just like any other. Right. But the people that use lack of sleep as bragging rights, and this actually happens in medicine too. Docs will say, I don't need to sleep, or I can, I don't need to worry about being on call. I don't need, being a staying up all night doesn't affect me. But I think this is a wishing away of biology, because in fact, all of us need sleep, and very few of us can actually function on very little sleep. And very few of us can actually work an overnight shift and then function as they would the next day if they'd yeah. actually gotten a good night's sleep. Right. So there, there are some people that seem to do okay. I know them. But, yeah. but in general, this is, I think this is denial of biology. That's also super relevant for doctors too, mm -hmm. right? Everybody talks about how, you know, you're going through your residency and they're doing like 36, 48-hour shifts, etc. on very little sleep. So mm -hmm. it's not exactly going to provide the best care when you're on so little sleep. So... Very relevant to how doctors can actually perform their work, too. If I were to play, you know, the traditional, say, Center for Disease Control's standard advice, it is that, yeah, we need to get at least seven hours of sleep a night. We should get it every night. And, in fact, uh, we need to get a good night's sleep before every day's, yeah. uh, every work day. But, in fact, we don't actually do that in, in real life. And I think what, what, you know, of course, in medicine, we stay up all night and work in the ER. People do stay up on call. And our trainees do work some crazy hours, although that's been limited recently. But I think Gandhi has kind of punctured some of these myths that, in fact, the idea that we need we should all be getting eight eight hours sleep a night um, probably isn't true. Wouldn't you agree, Gandhi? I would. I would. I you know <laughs> I I actually support the public health recommendations as they are. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's great advice to say eat healthy, exercise every day, don't eat fried food or fast food. You know, that's that's great advice. It's also not realistic for every day of your life. Anyway, and by the same token, if you aim 
to get eight hours of sleep a night, seven hours of sleep, a night, whatever, you're a lot more likely to get enough sleep than if you weren't aiming for anything at all. Sure. So you're, yeah, yeah. If you're not going to get seven or eight hours when you really want to, chances are you're going to have a pretty strong motivation to not get that sleep because you've prioritized it. And so you've shifted the trade-offs. Where have your thoughts moved, Gandhi, in terms of what you think would be a healthy range of sleep? Or is that the way I should ask the question? Um, I think that uh, there's certainly individual variation. <clears throat> and actually, my last paper that is currently in press shows that within a single individual, sleep varies more than it does between people. For Chimane. Chimane are a Amazonian uh, ethnic group that lives in Bolivia. They don't have days of the week um, setting their work schedules for them. So you know, without that and without electricity, they should sleep some kind of normal way. I don't think that's really fair to say. But what is interesting to see is that the amount of variation from night one to night two for the same person is comparable in that population as it is to the people living in the United States who do have the five-day work you know, weekdays and weekends right. and electricity. It's typically, it's like split up differently, right? Mm -hmm. So do the Chamane, um, just again, I guess for me and for others, the yes. Chamane have electricity? Do they have electric lights? They have no do electric have lights. No electric light whatsoever. Do they have iPods? They do not. Or at least iPhones. Nope. They don't Anything have emitting blue light that disturbs they got, they our got sleep. Nothing to, to mess up their, their uh... So, folks, send in your money <laughs> so we can send iPads to the Chimani. <laughs> right. They don't even have roads connecting their worse. villages. It would be generous to say the footpaths and the dirt constitute roads. They certainly don't have power lines or running water. They do have fire, yes. For they do have yeah. fire. Now, another interesting group of studies that would yeah. bear on this would be cave studies that have been done several times that I've read about, where uh, they take people deep underground, the environment isn't changing, the lighting isn't changing, they're as isolated from environmental circadian cues as they can be, and their cycle tends to get longer than 24 hours, and their sleep cycle tends to get longer. Now, I've always speculated some of that might be boredom, although I presume they take, you know, books and things with them, but... Um, left to our own devices and with no external prompts to change our pattern, we do seem to go towards some kind of normal sleep rhythm, some sort of regular sleep rhythm, I meant to say, and it seems to be a bit longer than what we think of nowadays as a normal amount of sleep. Well, that's true, but there are some important caveats with these cave studies. So the mechanisms that have evolved sleep did not evolve with people living in caves. So they would have been exposed to the sun coming up and sun going down every day. And if that helps people adjust their clock to maybe not have the 28-hour circadian cycle, may have been including whatever the number is. It's not 24. Um, it's a little bit more than 24. It's a bit longer, right, yeah, yeah. like 26, I think. Right. Yeah, something like that. Um, that's not actually what ends up happening. People living in you know, the real world who are undergoing natural selection and living or dying based off of 
the optimality of their their sleep patterns or their what diet happens or anything. When people else. retire and no longer have to punch a clock, mm. assuming a, a cohort of people who retire with adequate resources so that they really are retired, they really are off everybody else's clock, they can do whatever they damn want, what do they do? They're I older, so that factors in, but what do they do left to their own devices? Uh, that's a good question. Whatever they want. <laughs> Presumably. Shuffleboard. Yeah, but what do they want? Right. What, I'm asking. What, what do they want is a very good question. I've seen a lot of heterogeneity in the results in the literature. Um, people who are retired and elderly. The general narrative is that older people have worse sleep because they wake up at 4 a.m. and they don't sleep again. They go to bed at 8, a, 8 p.m. They end up not sleeping very long, have lots of complaints, and kind of the narrative. There's fragmented sleep because of things like, uh, you know, prostate enlargement, that sort of thing. Right. Listen, guys. Right. Having to pee all the time. I think right. that's... <laughs> pee all the time. I think that's... Excuse me, I gotta... <laughs> <laughs> that's probably... Which, by the way, if we need to take a break, we can. <laughs> that is a thing we can do. <laughs> you know, thinking about prostates, that's a great segue. Is it? <laughs> that's probably a more reasonable explanation than... The other alternative, which is that they're just so old that their sleep regulating mechanisms have deteriorated, which I don't think is the case. I know that a lot of people do believe that's the case, and there may be some evidence supporting it, but I think there are alternative explanations to that data. I do not see an age-related decline in sleep in the Chimane population. Interesting. So well, that's maybe really, that's... That is fascinating. So maybe it's not the absolute numbers that, that vary between populations, but maybe maybe some populations do see this decline with age? Well, that's the short answer. I think there's a lot of really exciting work happening in the field right now. They're doing it in different populations. They're going to enable us to make those kinds of comparisons and answer those kinds of questions. Gotcha. So not yet. Not yet. My speculative opinion is that if... Your sleep today, your sleep tomorrow, your sleep the next day can be so variable that environmental conditions can also be variable. If you change your environmental conditions such that night one, two, and three more closely resemble one another, you're going to see one pattern for that person. You may see a different <clears throat> pattern for someone else. Take that sure. to the next level and you say, what if it's people who don't have electricity versus people who do? There's this idea, of course, that having electricity is going to disrupt our sleep. Right. Being, there's a very common idea, and I think I agree with it, that the fact that we have homes and workplaces in which we have artificial lighting um, is a big deal. and has a, has a huge capacity to interrupt, exactly. And this thing in particular, um, I don't know about you, but um, you know, a lot of public health advice now is to don't bring screens in your bedroom. Yeah. That's good advice. Because the blue light that's get, gets emitted like from your laptop or from something your... Something like an hour before uh, you go to sleep or something, you're supposed to know. Maybe even before room. that. More yeah. than an hour. Just because you don't want yeah. to really interfere with that natural um, increase in melatonin sure. and the things that regulate sleep, and darkness is one of them. Yeah. So we know that um, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you look at your screen, you look at your texts, you look at your Twitter feed or whatever, um, that has a good chance of thoroughly disrupting yeah. your sleep. Yeah, it's probably why after we're on this show, I'm wide awake for a long time. It's I not have the, to like that's not the stimulating down. conversation? <laughs> well, it's probably that. <laughs> I, I was taking credit. Right. But, but the, these lights are pretty intense. Yeah, and they're, and they're, they're daylight uh, yeah. wavelength. These, right. these are blue. Yes. <laughs> it's like, like seven out. in the morning light coming at us right yeah. now. Well, the lights no in, in the yeah. industrial age has changed sleep in another way. 
because we can stay up so much later mm -hmm. in in olden times mm -hmm. people more or less went to sleep or, shortly or after sundown times. and got up you know right before or right after the sun rose and that mm -hmm. meant we spent generally more time in bed but there's been a lot of interest in the last few years over first and second sleep which actually shows up in old writings but nobody sort of noticed it that this, sure. there was these references to first and second sleep so this is so, this is the idea that people would get up in the middle of the night be active for some period of time and then fall asleep again. Mm -hmm, um, right. So do you see any evidence of first and second sleep in Chimane or in Sun, hunter-gatherers, uh, or Hadza? Well, go ahead, Gandhi. Ooh, ooh, what's the answer? I can't wait. We have not seen anything that resembles that. Oh, At least no it is second not sleep. the modal pattern. Say uh -huh. with confidence in, it is not the modal pattern. In not these say, tropical hunter-gatherer, hunter-horticulturalist groups. I don't think you... Um, they're not all tropical. Chimane are definitely tropical, no. but the uh, right. Hadza uh, I'm not as familiar with, but I would say they're they're almost that's, equatorial. The San are absolutely right? not tropical. Yeah, that's desert, right? Yes. I wonder about the Inuit oh, or, right, or right. Laplanders or some uh, other. Yeah, I was just going to ask We'll, we'll have the answer, Rogers. not from me, but we'll have the answer published, yeah. I'm sure, in the next five years. <laughs> oh, yeah? Let's hope. Who's, who's doing that work? Uh, David Sampson is. He's a professor David at the Sampson. University of Toronto. He's quite bright, and he's also a sleep anthropologist. I believe. I know. I know he wants to study sleep yeah. there. Hopefully, we'll get the opportunity to do so. I want to be a sleep anthropologist. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a sleep anthropologist now? Uh, I would say so. At the moment, yeah. anyway. Or a, sleep, or a sleepy evolutionary anthropologist. Definitely. So That's we've got. Um... <laughs> yeah. A, a little bit uh, broader umbrella that mm -hmm. right right uh we have several questions in chat and Excellent. i'm gonna uh i'm gonna tackle some of the less complicated ones first and then we'll move on to the slightly more complicated ones all really good ones though okay so first two about the chamon there's a bug flying in my face <laughs> it's springtime in Albuquerque. Uh, that's right um, bugs have emerged uh two that are just about the chamane in general so first what's the average life expectancy within the Chimane. And how many hours a night do they average? Life expectancy on sleep. in these types of populations, as it is worldwide, tends to be lower because there's very high infant mortality. So if you've got, mm, okay. let's say, a family household, you know, without birth control, every time a couple, well, you know, babies are made. I don't know what the, what, what's our, what's our, uh, <laughs> no, our no, tell us about that. Show? You can, we are rated mature. Oh, so, so every time so, yeah. they're four. As long as we're not doing so you anything can, You can hateful. say words like penis and vagina. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, or boink. <laughs> yes, we'll use the academic term. Every time they yes. boink. Yeah. Um, during uh, ovulatory <laughs> cycle, there could be a pregnancy. And so what ends up happening is you have much more than two kids per couple. Um, I believe the Chimane fertility rate is approximately nine. So how many pregnancies do they have? That is called natural fertility. So lot, right? lots of babies, can be. presumably they have more pregnancies than births. Right. Given miscarriage and that sort of yes, thing. Yes, so it's likely so. more than nine. Don't have a number offhand what the number would be, but let's say more than nine. Um, just for the sake of the example, because the question's about life expectancy. A better way to measure life expectancy is if you're 20, how old can you expect to live now? Right. So if you have nine yeah. kids in a household, three babies die for their first year, and then the rest live to age 75, your average is going to probably 
Somewhere right in the middle, basically. Yeah. Move it down by a third. That's so where mortality makes a big impact yes. on overall life expectancy. Right. So, and it's measured differently in different parts of the world. That's right. So that's what you want to keep in mind when you yeah. talk about life expectancy. I don't remember offhand what the number is for Chimani, but they're in my sample, um, who I've recorded sleep with, uh, there is an enormous number of people over 70, over 80, Right. Uh, the oldest woman in wow. our sample has been estimated to be at an age of 92. Dang. And, and I, I recall wild, uh, Hil Hilly, Hilly saying that at least for males, <laughs> Chimani males, that if you make it through adolescence, that the modal age of, of death was something in the early 70s or mid-70s. That sounds right for to Chimani me. For men. So that's yeah. fairly similar to the U.S., right, so it's depending not, it's on sex? Maybe for a United States smoker. Yeah, maybe not too far off. Well, our life expectancy is coming down, so... Yeah, well, it has yeah. to do with opioids. we got to lower yeah. our bar. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, but the second question is their average sleep duration. Uh, yes, in our, yes, yes, yes. In the paper we published in 2015, we looked at sleep in the Chimane population, as well as the Hadza and San. Those are both hunter-gatherer groups living in Africa. Hadza are in Tanzania. The San are in Namibia. Between the three of them... There was no significant difference between those three, among those three populations. You can't say population A has more than B, but less than C. They're in, statistically indistinguishable. Gotcha. Does that have to do with the huge intra-person variation that you were talking about? I would say that's a very large variation? part of the reason for that, yes. Okay, so no, no difference between the Chimane, the Hadza, and the San. Correct. In those three groups? Yes. But the typical sleep duration was in the range of 5.7 to 7.1 hours per night. What? Before, so I want low you to, compared to what we might think. Before you uh, interpret that number, I want to clarify the methodological distance between those numbers and what your experience is. If you go to bed at a little... But hang on, so what, what was the mean? So we'll say, let's, let's say around six to six and a half hours is in the middle. Six hours and 20 minutes, something like that might be the middle. Yes, that's, your head, that's your headline. You know, hunter-gatherers get six and a half hours of sleep. Well, do they? Or do they now? <laughs> he's he's going to give us nuance here we in a second. We didn't see much yeah, nap. I'm stealing his Didn't thunder. see much nap. No. Okay. Yeah, I know uh, the Chimani don't nap, apparently. There's a seasonal effect of that, and that gets more complicated. But before we get into that, I think this is important. If you went to bed at 11 o'clock, and you woke up at seven, you would say that you slept eight hours. That's not true. You didn't actually sleep eight hours. You spent eight hours Darn in it. bed. What you actually I I slept eight hours. Right. If you actually slept probably on average around six and a half, about 85% of time spent in bed is spent asleep. They call that measure sleep efficiency. 85% is a reasonable target that I've seen in the literature where above that is considered great, normal, no problem. Below that, then it may be more of a concern. If you have 85... Heck, I can achieve that while I'm working. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or driving. Yeah, yeah driving. Right. Yeah. I know. I actually, uh, I put a, a, a screenshot from The Onion in my dissertation defense where it says the average American needs eight hours of sleep at work. <laughs> so bearing that um, in mind there's actually not that big of a gap between the average sleep duration in the united states and the average sleep duration of these three populations and, that, and that's the key point you know we, we think about the 
effect of artificial lighting and all,、uh, all the things that we do. Right. Drinking wine, staying up all night, working late in the hospital, and on average, the sleep duration is not that different in these traditional societies. Right. If、yeah. we spend less time in bed, does our sleep efficiency improve, or does that actually equate to less sleep? Good question. Somebody just asked that actually,、Ooh. and a related question. Mike, I had a a funny comment, but it actually begs a very important question: Is this because they don't have swag posturepedic beds? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> but really, and, and Gandhi studies some of the. Some what, of yeah, what are the sleeping conditions? Um, uh, Walls, like for the tamane. So yeah. yeah. Tell us, Gandhi. Yes, that and sleep efficiency.、Uh, sleep efficiency goes down the longer you spend it in bed. In other words, say you only spent three hours. In- Chances are, almost all of it was spent sleeping. If you spent six hours in bed,、wow. a larger percentage will have been spent awake. If you spend twelve hours in bed, a very large percentage of ta- that time will have been spent awake. The、so、longer you spend in bed, the less sleep efficiency you have.、Yeah. Yes. So apparently, emergency physicians have pretty good sleep efficiency, based on a little study that I did. Yes. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. They have decent sleep efficiency, but poor sleep overall. Yeah. Right. I, I remember when you were piloting、yeah. this stuff, and I wore the accelerometer for for your pilot. I remember I was I think the highest in terms of time in bed, and then I woke up a ton. You definitely slept a lot more than I did. I think it was like you sleep like a hundred minutes more than I do every night. Dang! It was like yeah, a I huge, prioritize sleep. sleep. I thought I did as well, but apparently <laughs> that is a questionable. So let's let's do some more、uh, of the of the questions. But I actually have a couple more as well. And, I, and I, at some point, I want to get to the question, which is why did sleep evolve? Yeah, we yeah. Like, we really, really got. Well, then I will、one. mention where I was going to go, which is Gandhi. You're talking a lot about sleep as a behavior. Yes. But yes. coming into this, now remember, I'm a physician and not a sleep specialist. But I think of sleep as a biological phenomenon. I mean, in a sense, eating is a behavior. But we don't eat because we're psychologically adapted to eat. We eat because we'll damn die if we don't, right? That's both. And both. I mean, they're both elements. The same, maybe. I'm not、sleep. saying it's either or. Hardly anything is either or. I think of sleep as a physiologic necessity with physiologic consequences if we don't sleep. Although I will say, I was not able to demonstrate. From reading, that is my my lit search doesn't actually、uh, validate that we'll die if we don't sleep. There is a thing called familial、uh, sleep disorder, which is pretty rare, and people with that do die. But it's a neurologic disorder. So when an ordinary person doesn't sleep, the record is like eleven days, and the kid then slept for like fourteen hours and felt okay. So it was a dance contest. Can Can I jump in and and just mention why it is that we think that.、Uh... That sleep is necessary and lack of sleep is lethal.、Mm. So there was a study done because otherwise my boss would never let me go home to bed. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but there was a study done about twenty-five, thirty years ago that involved rats,、mm-hmm. and they kept these rats awake、uh, without sleeping. So the problem is that you can't do that without stressing out the rats. And I forget exactly what they did, but they're involved. They did involve a stressor. That prevented the rats, rats from sleeping. Those rats developed little skin boils,、Oof. and their intestinal microbiota leaked out of their intestine. It、oh. then seeded different organs like their liver no, and their、you. heart. They got little micro abscesses, and they died of sepsis, and they had a hundred percent mortality. So when you hear、uh, people say that we need sleep, 
and that sleep loss and lack of sleep is deadly, they're basing it on some of these early rat studies. Man. You know, it's a finding which I think is very interesting because it implicates the gut and these gut microbes. We like the fact that. that we lose control <laughs> of them and they migrate all over your body and cause problems. So I think that's a meaningful thing. So this is just this is, this is one thing that seems to happen, at least in the mammalian model, that may or may not apply to humans. Humans seem to have a lot more flexibility in dealing with lack of sleep. Sure. Poor Toad says, if I don't restart my servers, the chance that they will fail increases with time. I guess the same is this. I guess it is the same with humans. So <laughs> definitely cognitive deficits are demonstrable if we don't sleep. We're a big yeah. computer in a ball of right. goo. <laughs> and we should also get into kind of the other, because you kind of touched on this a little bit, Gandhi, but like all the problems that happen to us in our modern lives when we have disordered sleep or lack of sleep, fragmented sleep or short sleep. Mm -hmm. And it's linked with just a wide variety of health problems. And, and we may debate whether, you know, the chicken and the egg here, maybe it's the health problem that causes the lack of sleep, but, but people that, that simply can't sleep for one reason, if it's work-related right. or some yeah, other yeah. thing, they suffer a variety of problems, diabetes, weight gain, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, cancer of breast and prostate, marital problems, increased divorce, workplace injury, mood disorders, depression, Dang. anxiety, goes on and on and on. It's a long list. So How about uh, immunosuppression? Immunosuppression too, yeah. But a whole bunch of really bad things happen if we don't get enough sleep. So this, this is medically relevant for those of us that are yeah. interested in taking care of patients. For sure. And sort of it's relevant to everybody because we all care about sleep. Yeah, we all, we all want it. We just can't all have it all the time. First, you say you think of sleep as a physiological process. You're 100% right. It is. Um, that's why I got into it is because it's that and it's behavior. You know, eating has a psychological drive as well as a bodily need. But if I could frame it slightly differently, if I were to ask you, how many calories did you burn today with your activity plus your basal metabolic rate? You don't know what it is. It could be 1,857. It could be 2,439. <laughs> you don't know. But every day, you burn a certain number of calories, and it's different every single day, and you also eat every single day, and the amount of calories you eat every single day, you don't know what it is, and it's different from every single day. And yet, over a long period of time, it averages out that those two things are exactly the same. So if you stay the same weight, then somehow, without consciously thinking about it, you balanced it out. I think that uh, there's some intelligence in the body, if you want to phrase it that way. The body knows what the body needs. Be a better way to freeze and it. And this can happen without us being conscious of it. That's exactly right, right. So all these things exactly. are carefully regulated, carefully calibrated. We may or may not have any conscious. You know, we're not we're not necessarily weighing our energy expenditure in this really this this really accurate way. Right. And I think that sleep works much the same way. And the further out you are from your last good sleep cycle the more the cost-benefit ratio changes in the other direction. Yes, I think that would be fair to say. And you're, yeah. and you're also kind of uh, referring to the idea of a sleep deficit. Yes. We can, you know, we, can, we can draw on that balance of, of sleep, but at some point we got to pay it back. That's right. right. At, least, at least in theory. Yeah, absolutely. It may not balance out to There's zero. There's a good, uh, good we, question there yeah, about, about Alzheimer's. Did you say Oh, yeah. Let me, let me hold on to that good, one because we had here. some the other questions from earlier that I still want to get to. So, let's see, I gotta go back farther. They sleep on beds that are made out of kind of like bamboo shoots that are tied together. 
um, oh, into a flat it panel. Money? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes yes, it's, it could be as way. low as six inches off the ground. Um, sometimes they prop it up with other wood or some elaborate kind of a system so that it could be as high as two or three feet off the ground, kind of like we would have for a low bed in the United States. Um, and then on top of that, they have another kind of, of leave, leaf um, that they split in half and then they weave together in different kinds of patterns. And the, the curvature of the leaf um, is maintained by the rigidity of the cellulose. And so it, I actually think this is really cool. I don't think this is representative of life anywhere else, but it has a springiness to it as a result uh, oh, of cool. the shape and these physical properties. So their beds actually... So they basically have a mattress. It, it is analogous to a mattress. Yeah. That's very cool. And even if they yeah. put it on the dirt, they still have one of those mats. Always have one of those mats. They are comfortable. So I heard uh, Charlie Nunn, who's another evolutionary anthropologist who studies sleep, um, he's made the point that not only do humans get less sleep compared to every other primate that's been looked at when we look oh, at wow. kind of a comparative approach, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also humans are the only mammals that, that make a true bed. That was that was his argument. That spent as, as much time into kind of creating a, a sleeping nest. That's Chips some, do it. So yeah, I was going to say so apes do, do it. They, they make a new one every night. But I think I recall from Charlie Nunn saying that we humans, we do it different. Yeah, yeah. And we we put, have a put, permanent... We put more work into it. Yeah, for sure. Yes, we do. Egyptian cotton, yeah. you know. <laughs> Grill is also a nest. It's also a human property that we tend to sleep in the same place every night. Chimps sure. will make a nest every night, but they're never the same they're nest. If they were to yeah. stay in the same nest two nights in a row, we... But it's interesting to me yes. that I think that there's two things that are counterintuitive, that if people didn't know any better, mm -hmm. we wouldn't imagine necessarily that we humans get less sleep than do our closest relatives on the planet. And most people will be surprised by your 2015 research finding that we modern industrialized humans get about equivalent sleep to the extant hunter-gatherer groups that have been studied so right. far. So both those I think are a little bit surprising and maybe might make us think that we don't need to get quite so much sleep, just in general. And you couple that with your data on the massive variability that you talked about. Uh, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we're just hung up on sleep and we don't actually need to worry about it. Well, I think the fact that we are worried about it is meaningful information, just like I think it's meaningful information that we're all worried about it and we still don't sleep enough, you know? That's right. true. You know, yeah. if you uh, ask a room full of people to raise your hand if you slept well last night, you know, not everyone will raise their hand. And uh, this is what I do with undergrads because it makes the point very easily. And then I ask as a follow-up question, don't you guys know that sleep is important? And I'll list a subset of the negative consequences that Joe listed about what happens when you sleep enough. And everyone's like, yeah, I knew that. And it's like, well, why didn't you sleep enough last night then? You know, you know that the consequences are there. You know, I, I think that it... Well, it's kind of like you were saying, we know we shouldn't eat junk food, and yet we do it anyway. Right. There's, there's a very strong drive. Just knowledge <laughs> yeah. may be power, but it may not right. be so powerful enough that right. it can make us avoid some bad behavior. Sure. There... Yeah, and I mean, every time we're weighing our choices, right? right? Should I have another beer because it's going to bring me 
some amount of joy or better uh, enjoyment of the football game I'm watching, or am I going to try and not drink those calories? Or, right. you know, like every time you make a choice, you're weighing those sorts of decisions. It's a trade-off. Yeah. But listen, you know, so I, I guess I posed this question earlier, and we can get to the comments here in a bit. But what, Gandhi, why do you think that we, why do you think the sleep evolved in general on this planet? Yes. So that's actually, before I let you answer, that's very related to the question that I've been holding on to for a while, that uh, Luna Deer said, the idea of sleep seems a bit counterintuitive in the sense of a hunt or be hunted world. We know that sleep is important for us, though. Do we have any idea why animals started to sleep? So, so lots simple, of yeah. people have go. made that exact point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's it's a paradox. Yes. seems like we could be doing other useful activities. Potentially. Be it blinking or right. eating or... or Trying not to die. Trying to avoid predators. Yeah. So that could be part of the answer. Did I tell you my family's Latin motto, Conorismus non morir? No. Do your best not to die. There you, is oh, that yes, right? you did tell yeah. us that. Yes, I remember that. Yes. That's a, That's a great motto. Coffee is full of very Words useful. to live by. That's right. <laughs> useful yes. words to live by. Yeah. Well, I think that before you would have had sleep, you would have had single-celled organisms that uh, their <laughs> chemical reactions that constitute their metabolic activity would be happening at a higher rate when the energy of the sun is shining on them than at right. night it's not i think that would have this has to do with sort of the evolution of a circadian rhythm yes so which sleep is a component sure right. right and then you've got more complex organisms that follow this is the context in which sleep would have evolved you're not going to be very active during this period anyway what can you do to make the most of your time? And there are a lot of uh, benefits of sleep that we certainly know what happens when you don't get them. Um, a lot of popular sure. ideas are uh, memory consolidation or clearing of metabolic waste from the brain. There appears to be a lot of housekeeping behaviors. Yes, housekeeping right. behaviors. Yeah, Generally, shoveling out the garbage in the cell. Yes, maintenance of the body. If these yeah. are things that can be done more efficiently when you're not using those same tissues, which seems like a reasonable hypothesis to me, um, perhaps it would be sure. more efficient to do those things at night when you're, when you're not doing anything else than trying to do them during the daytime when it interferes with your other activities. And so you start getting this kind of bimodality of your metabolic activity where you start concentrating these kinds of activities into the period of the day when you're not doing anything else. So do you think that's enough to explain the whole thing? Because I, I, I mean, I agree with you mm -hmm. that certainly when we are not using our brains for other functions, that's a good time to do a little bit of cleanup, memory consolidation, et cetera, that we could focus on some maintenance functions when we're not running around in the you know, tropical rainforest mm -hmm. or the you know, African savanna, something like that. So that, that makes sense to me. It's not clear to me that, that that is the reason for the unconsciousness that accompanies sleep. So why are we so, so vulnerable? And on that, so we were poikilotherms before we were homotherms. So, you know, we had to respond to temperature changes by having a circadian change in our metabolism. All of that makes sense. But there are large mammals that are nocturnal and large mammals that are diurnal. Either one is compatible with being a large uh, homothermic vertebrate. Sure. So right. why didn't we just evolve so that we could be both nocturnal and diurnal and then we could look for food 24 hours a day and do the other active things we do and be on guard against predators and so forth. We lose, there's a huge opportunity cost to sleep 
Even if it existed because at one time we were cold-blooded, you'd think we could evolve our way back out of it by this time. Also, fish sleep. And fish live in a much more stable environment. There aren't the same day-night rhythms uh, deep under the water that so there are on cave, land. Cave fish and super deep, you know, in the Mariana's Trench, mm -hmm. those kinds of organisms, do they right. sleep? Fish in general sleep, but I don't know about the super deep sea fish yeah. or cave fish. Or do you have to have this diurnal input of sunlight to drive the whole thing? I really wonder about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I disagree, because your story is the most coherent one floating around, but you see that there are these things that don't quite fit that model. Absolutely. Sure. Um, and it becomes very complicated because it doesn't look the same in every species, and it's very difficult right. to come up with A one A point definition. I was going to make earlier, yeah. Um, you know, if dolphins never stop moving, are they ever sleeping? Um, well, if they have a certain brain activity pattern, does that mean that they're sleeping? If it's the brain activity pattern that means they're sleeping, but you can see that in a person who's, if you ask them, are you asleep? And they say, no, is it still sleeping? You know, there's not clear cut answers to these things. There is, there is actually um, instances where if you are measuring someone's brain activity, human being, and you ask them, are you asleep? They will say no, but their brain waves will tell you that they're in stage one sleep. That can happen. That's, that's most of the time for me. That's crazy. So really crazy. It's, it's very difficult. Now, in terms of the opportunity costs of sleep, why you should be unconscious, um, there's an assumption in that question that there's something better you could be doing. That is a sure. strong assumption. Um, uh, I've made this point, but also Charlie Nunn and David Seems. Elon Musk and the other you know, titans of Silicon Valley, they seem to think that there's some utility in not sleeping. Right. And, uh, and I did illustrate examples of what I meant by the opportunities that yes. are lost. So I'm not just inferring there is something out there. No, I, I'm being, I was more specific than that. Right. Absolutely. Um, but if I were to talk about chimps versus humans specifically, why doesn't a chimpanzee want to spend more time away? <laughs> well, Chimpanzees nest in trees. That's where they sleep. And it just so happens that moving around inside a tree in the dark is difficult and even dangerous. And the risks of falling out of a tree are substantial injury that potentially could be life-threatening. So maybe it's not such a great idea to get up and walk around if you're a chimp at night. No, there, you have to really have some good reason to do it. Let's show the second slide. But if you're sleeping on the ground, that risk is not there. Now, falling is not the only risk. You have nocturnal hunters versus diurnal hunters and mm -hmm. things of that nature. And it gets very complicated. But uh, the, my point is that just because you... <laughs> just because you could be theoretically doing something better with your time doesn't mean you could actually be doing something better with your time. Sure. And your point about chimpanzees kind of made me think about this. This is Mike Birbiglia, this, this slide here. He's got a, a kind of famous monologue called Sleepwalking. And he talks about a time where he uh, was fast asleep, but he got up out of bed. He was having some crazy dream, and he jumped through a plate glass window of his hotel room at a La Quinta Inn somewhere and just injured the crap out of himself and you know, just had all these lacerations and he's had several episodes like this um, where he, he resorted to like putting himself into a mummy sleeping bag and zipping oh it all God. the way up so he couldn't actually move.
but it shows, so this would be the benefit of being paralyzed while you're asleep. Yes. Right? So you don't do something like this yes. and injure yourself in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, for, the, for people that haven't watched or heard Mike Birbiglia, he is hilarious. He's pretty funny. And this monologue is fantastic. Yeah, I've heard that. Too. It's a very good counterexample to the argument of, oh, if I could sleepwalk, I could easily get in my 60 minutes of exercise every day without changing anything else it's in my like, life. Yeah, now, right? You could get 60 minutes of exercise, but you could also wake up on the ground out with broken glass all around you. Is that what you want? <laughs> That's part of the right. risk. Trade-offs. You, gotta, you, gotta yeah. you know, it's, can't have one without the other. There's always that risk. Yeah. Right. So interestingly, sleep is the only sedentary activity which is good for you metabolically. So people that get a decent amount of actual sleep it is sedentary or not moving. They are healthy. Those people are healthier metabolically than people that get less sleep, relatively. Right. Um, this is based on, on North American epidemiologic studies. Uh, whereas other kinds of sedentary behaviors, like sitting on a couch, not, not so good. Not for so you. much. Um, That's true. But so, oh, go ahead. there's always a but. If you look at the health outcomes as a function of sleep duration, people who sleep longer than average also have bad health. Yep. That, in fact, it's too much. It's too much. It's too little. Yeah, it's too little. It's just right. It's just right. In fact, yeah. it's like a. They call it a U shape. So if you're sleeping yeah. ten hours, the U shape again for us. Okay. That may not be such a good Ooh, thing. No. Okay. <laughs> are people sleeping longer because they're unwell, or are they unwell because they're sleeping longer? You know, it's a there less chicken and the egg. It's a less That's obvious. Right. Yeah, yeah. Question. Yeah. It's a less obvious answer than when you are asking that about short sleep. But, right, but certainly if you're dying yeah. of tuberculosis or metastatic cancer, you're going to spend a lot of time in bed, yep. and you, you probably would report having had more sleep. Or if you put opportunity costs in a more dramatic language, you have no reason to get out of bed, nothing to live for, then you end up sleeping longer, and you also end up being more likely to die. True. You That's sound so point. happy about that. Yeah. It's about as <laughs> bad so exaggerated as <laughs> but it gets... Yeah. yeah, for sure. Or you um, feel that way. Now, obviously, yeah, yeah. you see patterns with depression and unemployment yeah. that mirror the situation because it may be interpreted that that's the situation. It may not actually but, yeah. be the case, and that's why we call it pathology. Well, I, I love your emphasis on trade-offs and opportunity costs. It also kind of brings into sharp relief why it is that babies spend so much time in it, so much time sleeping. Sure. And also, why, why they are, why neonates are so muscularly, you know, uncoordinated. Like can't get up and run around and hurt themselves uh, because it would be, it'd be not, wouldn't be useful for them to expend energy in that way. And in fact, it would hurt them. That's a um, great point. So, they, so really, their their time is best spent digesting, right. feed, feeding when they're awake, and maybe even sleeping while they're feeding. They may be an example of a. You know, a life stage where you can't actually accomplish that. <laughs> and uh, spending all their time in terms of maintenance and growth. They can also nothing else. breathe and swallow at the same time, which is not something that adults can do. Jeez, babies are amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm spend the rest of the evening <laughs> trying um, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't choke. Let's, let's give it a go. 